Is everyone warm enough? It's cold outside, snowy. So we're uh, working through the series on the book of Joseph, When Life Takes You for a Ride. And um, today we're looking at part three, which is um, from the prison to the palace. So I hope you've done a little bit of your reading beforehand and you're able to see um, where we're at in this, in this passage. And so we're looking at chapters 40 and 41 today. And um, just to give you a little bit of a, a summary of what sort of is going on in these chapters, just in case you didn't get a chance to, chance to read this. And uh, so in chapters 40 and 41, we see uh, the Lord's presence is with Joseph. Uh, even in the prison, he causes Joseph to prosper in the prison, and then he becomes in charge of the whole prison. And uh, Pharaoh's chief baker and Pharaoh's chief butler, uh, they do something to upset him. We don't know what it is, but they're both thrown into the same prison that Joseph is in. And so um, both of them have dreams, but don't know what they're, uh, what they're about. So Joseph comes along and he's able to use his gift and interpret those dreams. Um, and they tell him what those dreams are. And true enough, whatever Joseph interprets, it actually comes to pass. And so uh, the chief uh, baker ends up dying, and the chief butler ends up being restored to his position in Pharaoh's palace. Now, the, Joseph tells the butler, hey, look, when you get back to your place with Pharaoh, remember me, right? And so that way you can tell, speak to Pharaoh and say, hey, look, this is where I'm at, and uh, get me out of this prison. Unfortunately, or fortunately... Uh, the butler doesn't remember. And so life goes on. Joseph is forgotten. He's left in a prison. One day, Pharaoh has two dreams, and nobody in the whole kingdom can interpret those dreams. And so that moment, the butler actually remembers and thinks of uh, Joseph, and he tells Pharaoh, hey, look, I remember um, when I was in this position and somebody in the prison interpreted a dream for me. And so Pharaoh says, bring that guy here. And so Joseph comes in front of Pharaoh and Joseph interprets these dreams that Pharaoh has. And uh, he says that Egypt is going to go through seven years of abundance and have amazing crops. And then after that, seven years of famine and it's going to be really bad. And so um, after that, um, Joseph says, look, you need to appoint somebody to be in charge of this whole business. And then Pharaoh looks back at Joseph and thinks, well, who better than you? Because the Spirit of the Lord is with you. And so uh, Joseph is taken out of prison. He's placed in the palace. He's given a wife. He has two children. And then things are really looking up for Joseph, right? He gathers tons of grain during those good years, and he stores them up. And then when the famine comes, he starts to sell that grain back to the people, Right? And so Joseph was on this big roller coaster ride with so many ups and downs. But finally, now when we get to the end of chapter 41, Joseph is doing well. Right? He's prospering physically, materially, emotionally. And th- there's so much to learn in this story of Joseph. And in five parts, we don't have time to go through all of these different things. So we're just trying to highlight some main things. Um, if you get a chance, there's a book written by a, a man named R.T. Kendall. It's called God Meant It for Good. And I highly recommend that book if you get a chance to read it, and he goes into a lot more detail about the story of Joseph. But before we look at what we're going to look at this morning, let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you, O God, for your presence with us, and Lord, I just thank you, O God, for speaking to us from your word, and Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would uh, move in a beautiful way this morning by your spirit, Lord, and help us, Lord, not just to be hearers of your word, but doers as well. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. So, so far what we've looked at is, in, the first, in, in part one we looked at ha- uh, rejection, and we saw how rejection is painful. We saw how the Lord is with us in our pain, and we also saw how Christ accepts us into his family. Then last week, we looked at uh, part two, which was Joseph knew what sin was. Joseph fought to preserve his integrity, and also despite doing everything right, Joseph still lost. And that's where we sort of ended up. So this morning, I want to look at a couple more, more points in the story of Joseph. And the first one is that trials come to prove us. Trials come to prove us. The famous uh, Christian pastor Charles Spurgeon said, trials teach us what we are. They dig up the soil and let us see what we're made of. Are you going to a trial today? Are you going through some sort of difficulty today? Well, maybe it's coming there because God is trying to prove us. God is trying to show us what's actually within us. The Bible says that the children of Israel, they wandered about in the wilderness for 40 years because God wanted to show them what was in their heart. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2 says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So Peter says, look, we're going to go through some of these things. Joseph went through some real difficult trials, some real problems. First he was in the pit, rejected by his brothers. Then he was sold into slavery by his own flesh and blood. And then he was serving as a slave in the house of Potiphar. Then he was falsely accused of rape. Then he was thrown into the, uh, into the prison. And all of these things was proving Joseph's character. Psalm 105 actually speaks a little bit about Joseph's suffering and trials. And it says here, Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord did what? Tested. Here it says the Lord tested Joseph's character. He went through a test. He went through a trial. He went through a difficulty. God wanted to prove Joseph's character to see what kind of man is this. Because God was preparing Joseph for something even greater. Joseph went through various steps in order to be placed in charge of the whole land of Egypt. First in charge of Potiphar's house, then in charge in the prison, and then finally over the whole land of Egypt. Charles Spurgeon also said, he said, If I knew that I had 25 years of life left, I would spend 20 years preparing said, if I knew that I had 25 years of life left, I would spend 20 years preparing for what I needed to do for the last five years. Can you see the importance of preparation? Can you see the importance of God working in us, changing us, molding us, shaping us, forming us, and transforming us into a way, into a place, into a, into a position, into a character that he can use for his glory? Oftentimes, we despise this time of preparation. We might say, oh, I wish I was doing more. I I wish I was having a greater impact, or I wish I was famous, or I wish I had a better job, or I wish I had more money, and I wish this, and I wish that, and I wish this, and I wish the other thing. But preparation is so important. And whether that's going to school to study something, whether that's going out in the field for some practical experience, or whether that's going through some hard trials to mold and shape our character, it's so important. 
Moses was in the, uh, was spent 40 years in Egypt, and he was highly educated according to Egyptian standards. But then he spent 40 years in the desert until the timing of the Lord came. And when he was 80 years old is when the Lord told Moses, okay, now go back to Egypt and lead my people out of, the promised land, uh, out of Egypt into the promised land. So regardless of what age we're at today, Moses was 80. So regardless of what age you're at today, God has a purpose and plan and God wants to use you. God has made an investment into your life and he's expecting a return on that investment. And trials help to shape, mold, prepare, and change us. And so we have to be ready for that. Peter and James, they both talk about trials and difficulties. Here you can see two verses here in 1 Peter 1 and verse 6 and 7. It says, there, uh, there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials show, will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Now, James says something similar here. He says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Can you see some similarities between these two verses, what Peter is saying and what James is saying? Look at first here what Peter says. Peter says, there's joy. And James also says, he says, there's joy. Now, Peter says, doesn't just say joy. What does he say? He says, wonderful joy. And James doesn't just say joy. He says, great joy, right? And so he's, both, of these, both of these men of God are saying something similar. Look at what he says here about trials. He says, here, uh, Peter refers to trials, and also James here, he also refers to troubles that'll come. But what is the purpose for both of these things? It says here, it is your faith is being tested. And here James also says, your faith is being tested. Dear friends, dear people of God, God will take us through difficulties. God will take us through trials. Here, Peter and James, they're both saying something similar. He's like, look, there's wonderful joy. There's great joy in the midst of trials, in the midst of troubles, because your faith is being tested. And for Joseph as well, he went through some really difficult pathways. He faced rejection. He faced accusation. He faced some terrible situations, thrown into the pit, sold into slavery, falsely accused, thrown into the prison. And going through all of these things, God was molding and shaping him for something greater that he had. It's interesting because Joseph asked the butler and the baker, you know, the question he asked them when he saw them after they had their dreams? The question was, why are you so sad. Why are you so sad? So maybe Joseph really wasn't sad. It's interesting because we could read, it, read this and think Joseph was, was not sad. There was a sense of maybe joy and happiness that Joseph had even in the midst of his trials and difficulties. Why? Because the presence of God was with Joseph. And in the Psalms it says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Can we go through those trials and difficulties in the same way? In Isaiah chapter 48, it says, I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. How has he refined us? I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. We don't like that word. This word suffering. I want to stay away from that. 
But it says here, I've refined you in the furnace of suffering. If you're going through a suffering today, know that God is working. God is transforming. And as we yield to him, he's doing something beautiful in our lives. He's doing something amazing in our lives. In the book of Malachi, it says here, for we, it says here, for we will be like blazing fire that refines metal or like strong soap that bleaches clothes. He will sit like a refiner of silver, burning away the dross. He will purify the Levites, refining them like gold and, and silver, so that they may be once again, they may once again offer acceptable sacrifices to the Lord. You know, when God sees our life and if we're bearing fruit for the Lord and if, if we're working for the Lord, you know what the Lord says? Does he say, okay, that's good. I'm glad you're doing well. I'm glad you're bearing fruit. I'm glad things are going smoothly. I'm just going to sit back and just let things go. Is that what God saying, says? No. Actually, when we're doing well, what does he say? He says when he sees some more fruit, what does he do? He, he prunes us like a vine dresser prunes the vines. It says in John chapter 15 and verse 2, it says, he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce what? Even more, even more fruit. It's so important in our lives. Sometimes we think of chastening as a punishment from God. But the Bible says that God chastens those whom he loves. So don't look at it always in a negative way, but God allows us to go through chastening. God allows us to go through trials and difficulties. Job, he was doing everything right. But God still put him through the fire. God still put him through so many difficulties. George Mueller said, George Mueller was a, was a, a man that started many orphanages in, in, in England. And he lived by faith and trusted God to provide for those orphanages. And he said, the only way to learn strong faith is to endure great trials. I have learned my faith by standing firm amidst Severe testings. How many here would like strong faith? Can I just see your hands? Anybody? Uh, I know. Some people are like down here. Let's see your hand nice and, nice and high. If you want strong faith, what are you committing to? All right, now, how many here would like to endure hard trials? Hold on. Look at what the verse says here. What does it say? Or his quote here, not, not the verse. But it says here, I have learned that... Learn my faith by standing firm amidst severe testings. If we want strong faith, then we have to endure great trials, right? Can't sit back on a rocking chair. Here's the question. How has God invested in you? What are the trials that have shaped you? You are who you are because of what you've gone through in the past. You are who you are because of the difficulties and the problems and the, and the testings that you've had to endure. How has God invested in you? What trials have shaped you to make you the person you are today? And how can your past affect your future? In the, we all know, uh, we, we know the story of Job. Um, he was a man, uh, a man of God that went through severe testing and severe trials. And it says here in Job 23, it says, But he knows where I am going, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. For I have stayed on God's paths, I have followed his ways, and not turned aside. Job went through so many difficulties, and he was tried in so many different ways. But in the end, 
It was to know God in a fuller, richer, deeper, more intimate way. Look at what he says here at the end of the book of Job. He says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my my eyes. Job said, look, I only heard about you before. I only had a peripheral understanding about you, God. And even with that peripheral understanding of you, I served you. I loved you. I did what was right. And I followed you and I walked with you. But now you have taken me through this, this, these trials, these difficulties. I went through the furnace. I went through the fire. And now I have seen you with my eyes. I know you more deeply. I know you more intimately. How many here you'd like to know God more deeply? How many here you'd like to know God more intimately? Well, it takes going through the ringer as well. Right? It takes going through some difficult difficulties. James says, he says, God blesses those who patiently endure. Endure what? Testing and temptation. This is Joseph. Joseph went through testing. Joseph went through temptation. We looked at that last week. God blesses those who patiently endure. And Joseph endured it patiently. He endured Potiphar's house patiently. He endured the prison patiently. And he endured the temptation day after day after day as we saw last week. So dear friends, today... I want to encourage you, if you're going through a hard time, if you're going through a difficulty, if you're going through a problem, what does the rest of this verse say? It says, afterward they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. There's a reward there that's waiting as well for us. So endure the trials. Go through the trials. Number two, uh, the second thing here that I think is important for us to learn from the life of Joseph is use your gifts to serve others. In the whole story of Joseph, I think we can see two discernible gifts in Joseph's life. One was interpreting dreams, and the second was the gift of administration. Joseph was given dreams that he interpreted for himself, for his own life, which we'll focus on maybe when we get to part five of this series. He interprets the dreams of the butler and the baker and also of Pharaoh, and so he uses his gift to serve others. While in the house of Potiphar, he uses his gift of administration, to administer that house, right? And God prospers him and God gives him favor, right? And in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Now, if you were in Joseph's situation, what would you do? Joseph could have had a pity party and he could have said, oh, woe is me, look at me. I am in this place. I'm in Potiphar's house. I'm just gonna sit here and mope and groan and I'm not gonna do anything. Because look at me, my brothers rejected me, my brothers sold me into slavery, I'm just going to be here, I'm not going to do anything, whatever happens, happens. Is that Joseph's attitude? No, Joseph used his gifts to serve others. He could have moaned and groaned, he could have been discouraged, he could have been downcast, he could have murmured and complained, he could have just been overall unproductive. Maybe he could have done some work, but not really gone the extra mile. But he uses gifts to serve others for the glory of God. Romans 12 says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord. How? Enthusiastically. Serve the Lord enthusiastically. This is Joseph. This is Joseph. In the same way that Joseph knew that he could not sin against God, 
by sleeping with Potiphar's wife, in the same way he knew that sin would be against God, in the exact same way he knew that his service was not to Potiphar, but he was serving God. His gifts, his talents, his abilities was to serve the Lord. He knew that he was actually serving the Lord. We could find ourselves in similar situations, trials, difficulties, hardships, misunderstandings, false accusations, rejection, pain, any kind of those things. But are we still using our gifts and talents for the glory of God? Joseph did, and his gifts made an avenue of prosperity for him. Joseph did, and his gifts made an avenue of prosperity for him. I think Joseph grew in his gifting as well. If you think about the gift of interpreting dreams, right? It was one, th- one thing for him to interpret his own dreams, and it would take years and years to come to pass. Then for the butler and the baker, he interpreted their, their dreams, and it was probably like a three-day limit because he said in three days this is going to happen. So within three days, they would have known that he was a, a, a false prophet or his gift wasn't really there if it didn't come to pass. But Joseph didn't have too much to lose. He could have interpreted the dream, and if it didn't come to pass, what was the worst they were going to do to him? He was already in prison, right? They weren't going to do anything to him. But I think that his, his, his gifting grew so that when he was in front of Pharaoh, now this is serious business. I think God was preparing Joseph for the serious business because now in front of Pharaoh, you tell Pharaoh one thing, and if it doesn't come to pass, that's it. And Joseph interpreted that dream, and probably in about a year's time, they would have known, hey, Joseph, you know, this abundance you're talking about, it's not really happening. I think Joseph grew in that gifting, that he was absolutely confident when he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. For his gift of administration, I think there was also a growth there. He started out in the house of Potiphar, right? And he's coming from a place of doing nothing. He was probably just like a, a, I don't know, a lazy kid in his father's household because he was the spoiled brat, right? His father gave him everything. Who knows what he was doing in his father's house? But now coming into Potiphar's house, now he has to take responsibility. And so he had to grow in that gift of administration, right? He had a crash course, in administration. But then he was thrown into the prison. And in the prison, it wasn't the best environment, but Joseph still had to grow in that gift of administration because now he didn't have the luxuries and comforts that he might have had being a servant in, in Potiphar's house. Now he was in prison. He did, it was a totally different situation. But then he had to grow even more because now he was going to be in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And he had to administer that land in a proper way so that, as we know about our theme verse, to save many people's lives. He grew with the various challenges and his gifts grew with him. How about us? What kind of gifts and talents do we have? Are we using them to serve others? Are we using them to bring glory to God? Are we waiting till everything is fine and and nice and when there's no problems and then we'll say, yes, I'll serve the Lord? Are we waiting for the perfect condition in our life to say, okay, Lord, here I am. I'm gonna step out in faith and serve you. Are we waiting for something like that? In Romans chapter, in Romans chapter 12, verses 6 to 8, there's a familiar portion of scripture that talks about uh, differing gifts. And here it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things. So if God has given you the ability to what? Prophesy. Speak out with as much faith as God has given you. 
If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, then teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership gift or the leadership ability, then take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. This is just a small segment of some gifts. There are so many others there as well. Maybe you might say, today you might say, well, pastor, you know, my husband is like this, or my wife is like that, or my kids are like this, and this is going on. Maybe later in life I can get involved. I'm so busy with my own things. I can't, I'm so wrapped up with my own life and my own problems. I don't have time to serve God. I don't have time to use my gifts. I don't have time to help others. Well, if Joseph took that attitude and if he said, look at me, look at my situation, look, I've been rejected, look at how I've been persecuted, look at how I've been falsely accused, and he could have been in that prison and said, I'm not going to help anyone. The butler and the baker would have walked right by him in their sad state, and he would have just been in his own pity party, moaning and groaning. Dear friends, dear people of God, what are we doing with the gifts and talents and abilities that God has given to us? Don't wait for the perfect condition. Don't wait for the perfect environment. Don't wait till everything is fine and dandy. Okay, I got no problems. Now let me do something. Yeah, when you start to do something, more problems will come. It's just part of life. We will have problems. We'll have trials. We talked about that already. But let's use our gifting for the glory of God. Right? Let's use what God has given to us to serve the Lord, to be a blessing to others. Joseph could have been wrapped up in his own problems and in his own life, but he saw the sadness of the butler and the baker. And that was such a critical moment and a critical point in Joseph's life because later on, because of what he did there, it totally transformed Joseph's life. So let's not be so consumed with our own life that we pass by these God moments and God opportunities that he gives us to serve and minister to others. Because in Galatians it says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. In the parable of the the talents in Matthew chapter 25, we read about uh, servants who were given one bag of money and another given two bags of money and another given five. And the the ones that had two and five, they doubled what they had. And the one that had just one, he didn't do anything with it. And the master came back and commended the first two and said, good for multiplying those, that money. But the one that just had one bag of money, he condemned that person. See, the Lord is looking for a return on his investment. You know, if you had some money and you put it in the bank, would you be happy to get the exact same amount of money back 10 years from now? No. You'd want that money and you'd want some interest and you'd hope that it would have earned something. And in the same way, God has invested into our lives. God has blessed us. God has worked in our lives. God has provided for us. Now, I'm sure you can look at the cup half empty and say, I have this problem, that problem, this problem, that problem. But if we were to count our blessings and name them one by one, we will be surprised what God has done. And if we look and see how God has blessed us and invested into us and done so much for us, God wants to use us. In whatever situations and circumstances that we faced in the past, their investments, whatever trials and difficulties we've gone through in the past, their investments into our life because now God wants to use that to bless others as well. 
God has gifted us with various gifts and talents. Are we using that? Are we multiplying that? Or are we just content with that and we're not doing anything? We're not growing in that. We need to grow. We need to multiply. We need to use those gifts and talents for the glory of God. In, in the book of Colossians, it says, Colossians chapter 3 and verse um, 20, uh, 23 and 24. Something happened here. There we go. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. See, this is Joseph. Joseph was working willingly. He was doing what he was doing, not for Potiphar, not for the person in charge of the prison, but Joseph's mindset, Joseph's attitude, because Joseph knew the presence of God was with him. Joseph was working for the Lord. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master you are serving is Christ. As we serve others, as we bless others, as we use our gifts and talents for the glory of God to serve others, to help others, to do things for others, we are actually serving Christ. As we labor for others, we are laboring for Christ. And God wants us to grow in those gifts and talents. So my my challenge to each one of us, including myself today, is what are we doing for the Lord? How are we using those gifts and talents that God has given to us? How are we using the ways that God has invested into us to bless others and to help others? God has made an investment into our lives. We were blessed uh, yesterday. We had a, had a little seminar at our men's breakfast about mental health. And I was thankful for Dr. Prasad that came and shared. And he took these years and years of information and studying and uh, being a psychiatrist for 45 years. He took all of that to share with us something that was really enriching and something that was a blessing. And so he's taken his gifts and his talents and, and the experiences that God has brought him through for all of those years now to be a blessing to us. How are we using our life situation? How are we using the ways that God is working in our life to be a blessing to others? Okay, the last point is trust the timing of the Lord. Trust the timing of the Lord. A very familiar verse in Ecclesiastes is, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. That's verse 1. And few verses down in verse 11, it says, he made everything beautiful in his time. See, Joseph, he waited, and Joseph waited, and Joseph waited, and Joseph waited some more. You know, there was a time when Joseph was trying to figure things out for himself. He had waited and waited, and then he told the butler, look, when you get out, I've interpreted your dream. I'm going to tell you what's happening. This is what's going to happen. When you get out, butler, just one request... Remember poor little Joseph here, right? But thank God the butler forgot. Because can you imagine if the butler didn't forget? What if the butler didn't forget? What if the butler remembered Joseph? And as soon as he got in front of Pharaoh and said, hey, Pharaoh, you know, I have this really good friend. He's in the prison. He interpreted my dream. He's there falsely. Can we just try to get him out? If Joseph got out of the prison at that time, then in the time that God wanted Joseph right there, in the time when Pharaoh had his dreams and he needed somebody to interpret his dreams for him, Joseph would not have been found. Who knows where Joseph would have gone? He could have gone, maybe would he have gone back to his homeland? I don't know. Would he have gone somewhere else? I mean, you couldn't just look him up on Facebook and say, hey, Joseph, where are you? We need you to interpret the dreams right now. 
You couldn't do that. If Joseph was let out early at that time, he would not be found when God needed him to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. And so sometimes we try to bend God's arm and say, do it now, do it now, Lord. And we want God to act on our timeline. But if Joseph had his way and if he were to escape at that time, he would not have been most likely ruler over Egypt. And then he wouldn't, again, back to our key verse, had the opportunity to save the lives of many people. But Joseph had to stay in prison a bit longer because God was still working on him. God brought Joseph to the throne of Egypt just in the right time. For what? Because God had a purpose to save the lives of many. And in our lives as well, God has a purpose. God has a plan. And he's going to execute that plan just at the right time. We often think, oh God, you're late. God, what are you doing? God, I'm waiting. God, what is happening? I want to tell you, God is never late. There's a time for everything. Psalm 37 and verse um, Psalm 37 and verse 23 and verse 24 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in what? Every detail. Do you know God knows every detail? God delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall. For the Lord holds them by the hand. Do you know God's holding you by the hand? If you feel like you're stumbling, don't worry. God's holding you. If you feel like you're thinking, God, where are you? I don't see you. Hold on. Here it says he knows every little detail. You know, the children of Israel, they were in captivity. And they were taken away into Babylon because they had disobeyed God. They had sinned against God. And God said, look, I'm going to take you into captivity. You're going to be away for, 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 for about 70 years. But he used Jeremiah at that time to prophesy. And in, and in Jeremiah chapter 29, and in verse, uh, from verses 11 to 14, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for, for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God promised to the children of Israel, I am going to bless you. I am going to take care of you. Yes, you've disobeyed me. Yes, you've grieved my heart. Yes, you haven't followed my ways and you are in captivity. But don't worry, I am going to bring you back. I'm going to bless you. We also need to trust the Lord in the same way. Psalm 31 says, but I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God and my times are in your hand. Now, at the same time, we can be waiting on the Lord and we can say, Lord, I'm waiting till you do this or that, but let me flip the coin over. Let me see the other side. The other side of the coin is, is that when God wants us, we have to say, no. When God wants us, we have to say, uh, not like that. <laughs> when God wants us, we have to say, yes. but many times we're, Option one or option two that already happened. We're silent. God is saying, come, serve me, do this, do that. What if Joseph were to, when Pharaoh told Joseph and said, look, I'm going to put you over all the land of Egypt. What if Joseph said, no, no, Pharaoh, not me. Pick somebody else. I can't do it. I've never done this before. You know, somebody else will be way better. I'll be happy just sweeping the floor. Sometimes we say that. 
I know, because I hear that as well. Sometimes I might say, well, can you help us out in this ministry? Can you, oh, no, Pastor Daniel, no, 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 not that. No, no, I can't do that. No, not, not me. No, there, there's somebody else. Oh, let other people have a chance. Right? You're, you're laughing because you know you've said it before as well. This is the other side of the coin. When the time comes, we need to be ready. God prepared Joseph. God worked in Joseph's life. God changed him and transformed him and tried him and proved him. And finally, when the time came when Pharaoh said, Joseph, you're going to be in charge of Egypt. Joseph didn't say, oh, not me. He said, okay, all right, I'll do that. And you see so much similarity in, in, in the story of Esther. We studied the, the, the book of Esther before um, I think it was last year, and, and in Esther chapter 4, it says, if you keep, this famous verse in the book of Esther, Esther was a queen over Persia, and Esther had the opportunity to intercede for her people. Esther had the opportunity, the same opportunity that um, Joseph had to save, many, save the lives of many people. And when Esther didn't want to do that, her cousin Mordecai said, if you keep quiet at this time, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise for, from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. When God is working in our life, when God is transforming us, when God is trying us, when God is proving us, when God is doing things in our life. And at that time, when God wants us, we say, no, Lord. And what was the investment for? Then what was the trials for? When what was the, tri- the tribulations for? When God's time comes, we should step up and say, yes, Lord, here I am. Send me. When God's time comes, and again, we can't be caught up with our own problems and difficulties. We'll all, listen, we'll have problems from birth till death. So don't wait till all the problems are done. Because then we won't do anything. But when God's time comes, let's be ready. I'm going to just close with a story. Super Bowl is next week. Some of you might know. Okay? I'm going to tell you a story of a, of a Super Bowl winning quarterback. His name was Kurt Warner. Anyone here heard of Kurt Warner? Before he played, for the, he played for the St. Louis Rams, which is the same team that's playing in the Super Bowl next week, but now they're known as the LA Rams. But Kurt Warner... He's widely considered as the greatest undrafted player ever in NFL history. But the problem is when he came out of college, nobody wanted him. He finally signed with the Green Bay Packers, but then he was cut right away. And his dream to be an NFL quarterback was dashed, so he started working at a grocery store packing shelves for $5.50 an hour. And he toiled in obscurity. But that was still training for him. But that was in the end of the story. He ended up playing for the Arena Football League where some scouts noticed him. And finally, he was signed by the St. Louis Rams. And he was the backup quarterback one year. And in that year, the starting quarterback in preseason got injured. And so Kurt Warner became the starting quarterback. This no-name guy who nobody knew about, who was packing shelves just a little while ago at a grocery store, now becomes the starting quarterback for the St. Louis Rams. And he plays such a phenomenal season that he wins the MVP, the most valuable player for the whole league. He takes his team to the Super Bowl in 1999, and he wins the Super Bowl. 
Now that's a rags to riches story if you want to hear one. And you know what he credits as well? Is his faith in Christ. And he's outspoken about that. And he speaks about how his faith in Christ deepened through all of these experiences. When he was packaging shelves, he probably didn't think there was any hope to play in the NFL, let alone win the Super Bowl or become the MVP. But he went through those lows in his life because his faith sustained him. So let's keep trusting the Lord. We're going to be tried. We're going to be tested. The Lord is proving us. The Lord is shaping us. The Lord is changing us. Now, we may never have a radical transformation like Joseph did from the prison to the palace. But let me tell you, in the book of Revelation, Jesus promises to us that if we overcome, if we're victorious, we're going to sit with him on his throne. And I'm telling you, sitting with Jesus on his throne is better than any throne in Egypt and better than any president or prime minister position here in this world. And so as we're faithful to him, as we walk with him, as we're willing to be used of him, he's working in our lives. Let's keep using our gifts for the glory of the Lord.